screw Very and I was of you. holding the wood with my left hand <laughs> and, and the screw slipped and it went down into my cuticle oh my yeah. god yeah. that is Ethan <laughs> sent me a photo of you with your headphones on and your finger up and he's Hello. like well, I have uh, something to say <laughs> she screwed her finger and she's still hard at work editing I was the only option <laughs> One, one hand in the air with yeah. your headphones on. It's a hot look. My judge came in and I was doing that. And the way he asked made me laugh. Cause he's like, so what are you doing now? And it's so diplomatic. So matter of fact. But he just clearly had no oh, idea. Oh, what you doing there, Mackenzie? Anyways, I'm glad your finger is doing better. Oh, yeah. My nail's definitely going to come off. And I'll save that mm. for the highest bidder. <laughs> Opening just the lines up for that. Do you want Mackenzie's fingernail? Let us know. It's hardcore. Uh, okay. So, also, we are really grateful for everybody who has been listening in these early stages. Giving and us feedback. Dealing with iTunes' long approval process with us. Yeah, we're being vetted. And if you like us, I yeah. can't believe I'm going to say this, but please rate and subscribe. Oh, yeah. Rate and subscribe. And, and subscribe. comments. We also want to hear from people who have questions that they'd want addressed. Yeah. Uh, and topics that they'd want us to get into. Yeah. Like, what that. do you want to hear from us? What do you want explainers on? Or do you have uncomfortable questions about issues that you feel are less than politically correct, but you want to figure them out? Tell us. Yeah. Tell us. And um, we will address them anonymously if you want. Yes. And you, tactfully. You don't have to include your name. You can read us at exceedinglypersuasive at gmail.com and that's xx not not regular spelling of exceedingly and then a c (laughs) and then a c um and then you can also dm us on instagram or on twitter questions i'm mkzj brennan on instagram and on twitter i am get me to number two a nunnery It's not complicated at all yeah. for that. <laughs> I love it. I gotta be gotten to one. I am at BKE Rogers on Twitter, and I am Brooke Angeline on Instagram. So, so this is officially exceedingly persuasive. Exceedingly persuasive. I'm Brooke Rogers. And I'm Mackenzie Brennan. Thanks for joining us. Episode um, four. Episode four. We made it. Wow. So I think a question that we all have this week is, are we going to war with Iran? Do they have nuclear weapons that they are going to point at us ASAP? And are we are going we all to accidentally die? get into a war based a on some war. grainy video that a war hawk advising the president has deemed? Yeah, this is a good week for neocons. They are all riled justification. up. Yeah. And it's not enough that we've been in one war for 16 years. We want to add another let's one. Get in, rather than getting out of that one, let's get into another one based on similarly loose murky reasons. Justification. I think the whole tanker thing very well could have been a false flag. Mm. I think that it's... Welcome to Conspiracy Corner with... Oh, not even. (laughs) But I'm thinking the Gulf of Tonkin incident, that 
for those of you who were not listening in history class because I only learned this later. Basically, LBJ's justification for getting the mm-hmm. U.S. into yeah. Vietnam, he needed something specific because yeah. he had run against Barry Goldwater on a platform of non-interventionist, we're going to keep our boys home. So... Basically, that did not work out. Spoilers. That didn't no, work out. in case you haven't heard the ending, the U.S. and the South Vietnamese were already kind of doing military things and spying in that area, and that's why the ship that was attacked in the Gulf of Tonkin was attacked. It wasn't just out of nowhere. The North Vietnamese attacked it and decided to start the war. It was us being in the wrong place doing military stuff. And so, of course, the North Vietnamese assumed that this was a military operation. Yeah. But this, I think, is... It risks being a similar kind of pretense because they were Japanese tankers, right? They weren't even ours. They weren't ours, non-U.S. tankers, and they were attacked last week, which is a very strategic gulf. And the two tankers were attacked, and then what caused (laughs) Trump to consider a military strike was that a unmanned $13 million U.S. drone was shot down by Iran. Oh, that was later. But I think the reason for saying that the initial tanker attack was Iran was was this, like, grainy night vision video that we were told represented Iran going onto one of these ships and taking off an unexploded bomb. Maybe somebody knows something about that video that Mm. I don't because I certainly didn't see it Yeah, being that clear. I mean, the, the fact is that we just don't know if the tankers We don't were. know. I, I mean, it, it was tied to Iran, but quite frankly... Yeah. Um, I don't have faith that they have all the extra knowledge that connects it that yeah. they claim to. I think maybe it was Germany. A couple of our allies have openly asked for more intel. Proof, yeah. yeah, and we have been saying, we by we I mean our government, has been saying, oh no, we, we have more of a connection. We're just yeah. not releasing it. In fact, on Meet the Press, what's his name? The Warhawk, Mike uh, Pompeo. Bolton? <laughs> Pompeo was like, oh, if you knew what we knew, it, it would be very clear. And whoever was interviewing him was like, can you tell us the nature of what connects it? Mm. He's like, no, 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 but we definitely, we're, we're certain about it. Yeah, I feel like you can't just ask us to believe that on its face because we're a little bit wary yeah. at this point. Yeah, the funny thing is there's really not the same lust for... There's not the same bloodlust that there was, especially right after 9-11. I think that's why. We don't really have any. Especially, like you were saying, the whole conflict kicked off by that, whether it be Afghanistan or Iraq. That's still going on. Yeah. And so not only are we not out of that, there's nothing justifying to us in a real emotional tug of your heartstrings way. Everyone's just tired of war. Yeah. And so, you know, right after 9-11, it was traumatic and horrible, and I think it was really hard for people in the U.S., even if you were skeptical. You could have sold any kind of war to a nation that was that And they did, up. Yeah. yeah. They they found a reason to invade, even though, again, the they majority of the WMDs people... WMDs that did not exist, and they admitted that that was not a legitimate justification. Yeah. And the majority of the terrorists involved were from Saudi Arabia, and we kind of just ignored because we yeah. didn't really want to get into it with the Saudis. And Saddam Hussein, being the Iraqi connection at the time, such as it was, he's definitely not a good guy, yeah. but had no there were articulable few, connection yeah. to 9-11 at Yeah, all. there were very few good guys in the area at the time. Yeah, it yeah, and so all it's very like convenient. you pick and choose your battles, and yeah. I guess Dick Cheney decided that was one he definitely wanted to pick under that pretense of 9-11. Yeah, it's amazing to me how many grew a little bit younger, but the people who were in college at the time um, have extremely strong feelings about Dick Cheney and Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. Yeah, I, re- I remember hating Rumsfeld, like, in middle school. <laughs> 
Yeah. Baby Mackenzie has like a anti-Rumsfeld t-shirt oh, yeah. in school. That's what happens when you're an only child. You're only friends with your parents and if they're political. <laughs> the funny thing oh, was lost. I was raised in Wyoming and my parents are both quite religious and I don't know if they really had opinions on the war but my mom loved George Bush because he yeah. was a Christian and you know. That's, wasn't so there wasn't from Wyoming? Didn't he mm-hmm. live in? Yeah, okay. Yeah, the pride of Wyoming, Dick Cheney. <laughs> and now Liz Cheney's. Oh, the she, got her own, she got into her own little war to this week with AOC, but it's a whole other... Yeah, so... But, yeah, that was that was my main take on Iran. That, that it's potentially a false flag that was right place, right time. Something yeah. happened to not even us, yeah. but Japan. So kind of a, a connection because we're responsible for all of their military support. Yeah. And then how swiftly and apparently randomly Trump decided not to act based on that drone being yeah, shot so down. Yeah, so Thursday morning, an unmanned drone, which is worth about, I think it was $13 million, uh, was sorry. shot down. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, uh, yeah, the amount of money that we put into this in military so, is so That's something insane. we should discuss at some point, that our military is eight times larger than, like, the next multiple highest spending yeah. combined. So nobody's competing with us. We're well-funded. Did you hear about the fighter jet that cost something, I think, like $400 million to build that... Pocket change, is, man. It's unflyable because if it, if it ascends at a certain trajectory, <laughs> it will explode. <laughs> and we didn't discover this until after we had spent the money, there, I'm And they assume. said of that course. there was a lot of red flags, but people just couldn't pull the plug on it after a certain point. And well. there, so much money had gone in that they were like, we just can't stop building. Like, so we let's, have, see. So just, <laughs> let's go for broke. To be so fair, that also happens is- with passenger jets now, apparently, too. Oh, yeah. That's the Boeings. So at um, least we're not discriminating when it comes to building planes badly in this country. <laughs> Yeah, fly. They can't fly them. So they're just sitting on the ground because it, it, they can't be used in combat. Beautiful, expensive statues are keeping us safe. That's yeah. great. Or just their $400 million paperweights. That right. holds a lot of paper. But <laughs> I think I, I cut you off when you were explaining the drone. Incident. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, And Tucker Carlson being a, maybe the inspiration for Trump oh, making yeah. the decision he we'll, did. We'll get to that. So the drone was shot down on Thursday morning. They were, quote unquote, cocked and loaded for a retaliation strike by 7 p.m. on Thursday. And then, uh, according to a tweet that Trump sent the next day, he thought to ask somebody last minute how many people would die Hmm. in the strikes, which seems like something you'd want to know early on. Well, and at the same time, though, it's kind of surprising that that, That that that's a deciding factor for him. But we should say before we get into the decision that he made that the drone that was shot down was... It was shot down by Iran's military because, by their account, it was over their airspace. Mm -hmm. And it was a a U.S. military drone. Mm -hmm. We say, and again, I'm I'm saying royally, but um, by our account, it was international airspace over the water. So not infringing on Iran with a military vessel. In terms of that interpretation, both accounts have about as much evidence. One of them yeah. has like one zoomed in Google Maps image with a like dropped pin and it says C. And then our so the response was another zoomed in Google Maps with a dropped pin to say no C. So uh-huh. man, I don't know. It, That's really high tech stuff right there. This is gonna, the pin dropping that sends us to so war. The, the same way that I like find a place to buy ice cream at three in the morning yes. when I'm drunk. And, <laughs> we, and we know by where our Lyft and Uber drivers end up when we drop a pin in the correct place that that's not always the most accurate representation no. of what is where when. Exactly. So. <laughs> 
So there were reports that he was either watching Tucker Carlson or he had a call with Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson, as you may or may not know, is the Fox News host, bow tie wearing, <laughs> gypsy fearing, apparently not a war hawk, though. And honestly, well, it's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> According to reports, that influenced Trump's decision to call off the strike, which a journalist that Trump liked had a differing opinion. And that apparently tipped the scales mm. in the hour of decision. Yeah. He said that the official reason was that 150 people were going to die, and he felt like that was too many, and that it was fair. a disproportionate response to an unmanned drone being shot down, which is absolutely correct. But who was the influencer on and that? Did and did you really learn that for the first time based on some journalist that you like yeah. endorsing it? Or was this maybe something that you either, A, should have asked before, or B, yeah. were actually told before, but it didn't mean much until it came from somebody that you've decided you fetishize. I don't know. That is my... Either way, not my great. editorial opinion is that he probably he either heard the number before and just didn't think anything of it, or didn't listen, literally just wasn't paying attention when they told him that 150 people would die, but yeah. I think that Tucker Carlson decided that it was disproportionate. I mean, in the end, it's a it's a better decision than than the where it have the strike gone the other way. And this but. is what happens when you have people like Pompeo and John Bolton in your administration who genuinely think that we should respond with an iron fist whenever we're threatened in any way. I don't even know that you can say respond either because it the threat is not really material until or unless we keep poking them. And again, it's not an endorsement of Iran or their government or their military. It's about deciding whether this is the right entanglement to get into right now. Because mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody's arguing that we love Iran and their policies, but this is an administration that pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal just because it was an accomplishment assigned to Obama. And the amount of research and negotiation and multiple countries that went into that deal yeah. just to be scrapped to no real end policy-wise, because yeah. if anything, it put us in a more dangerous position to get rid of these restrictions. But I actually have mixed feelings about the Iran deal because I don't know if we weren't able to monitor whether or not they were building facilities. I'm not sure if basically we gave them a bunch of money. And when I say give them a bunch of money, it was by removing the sanctions it had the, the financial of, of yeah. giving them more financial gain and then said that they couldn't build nukes what happened was we removed our surveillance of them. So even though I don't agree with him pulling out because that was a deal that we had entered, I, I, I don't think we should have ever entered into the deal. I think that it, it did more good than harm. And that's with the qualifier that it did not do all the good in the world. But I do think it was a contingency plan. It was something that on paper we had all agreed to. We benefited because we could at least say that there's a reason we reinstate something, that we had this framework in place restricting them, and that was formalized. There were other countries that were also holding them accountable, and there was nothing to suggest that they were not following it. Mm -hmm. And I think the surveillance was always the biggest hole. Yeah. But you got to give something to get something. Right. And, and again, I, I don't think you should have pulled out. I did hear recently uh, one of Obama's advisors, and boy, I, I don't remember which name it is, but... Somebody who was instrumental in negotiating it and the way that he accounted for the hours and cultural divides that they yeah. overcame and the import of Iran actually agreeing to this and the evidence they had that, that Iran actually was following it yeah, and now express evidence that they're not because and after we pulled out 
that did make me feel like this was something that was significantly useful to a point that it should not have been withdrawn from flippantly, and I think it was. My take on it is I don't want to let perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and anyway, so I want to, real quick so correction. That, yeah. <laughs> I, for some reason, I I saw the, the drone that was shot down was cost $13 million. It actually, I just looked it up again to make sure. It's $220 million. Oh, oh. It was... An RQ so not a global change. hawk. I mean, <laughs> now I guess we should be more upset. <laughs> it's just I just wanted to correct it because I used the wrong figure and um, dizzying. The fact that we spent two hundred and twenty million on a drone. I'm and not a military ex- expert, but it that's a lot of money. <laughs> Jesus Christ! The, and that was our oh, sacrificial shit. lamb. That was <laughs> the drone that got shot down. Hey, I mean, it beats um, a manned vessel. True. I uh, guess yeah, that's, of course. That's all I you mean, can trace it down to. Um, but dang, yeah, that's the well, one they shot down. That's so gone now. That's exciting. So, um, anyway, so basically, our opinion on this is we're glad that we did not go through the strike. Yeah. That's Bottom line, for the best. I am terrified about what's going to happen in the future because I think this is escalating and I don't trust the people who are in Trump's ear. Well, yeah, um, I, this shows how tenuous the decision-making process is. It really and is. And how uncertain everybody involved I is. I mean, if the people who are influencing you are John Bolton and a Fox News host, like, what does that say about you? And that <laughs> I've thought this, honestly, since Mike Pompeo came into the picture and a lot of people of his ilk, I would say John Bolton, probably one of them, these are the most qualified. These are the people yeah. that when they got appointed, it's like, oh, well, at least they are... N- not totally unfamiliar with government Mm. and yet here's the what's the opposite of a silver lining oh the cloud to the silver lining (laughs) is is what we're seeing now which is that they have despite being good at what they do in whatever sense they have their own agenda and really now our best case scenario is starting to look a lot like cheney and rumsfeld again yeah yeah i saw how that went as a best case scenario i'm very much hoping that this is just a blip that passes us by and everything returns to normal, but I don't have a lot of faith in that. We need so. a big distraction if that's going to happen. I really think that's the only... You need, like, a, a shiny object to get him looking the other way, such that he would pull the, to turn a phrase, trump card on those Warhawk advisors who are poised and ready to go. But it's about gears. giant clouds <laughs> hanging over us all. Um New reports were released about the situation at the border and migrant facilities, and I cried while I was reading these. Um, it's like they're story-topping each other. Like, the amount of reports just within the last week that have been just jaw-dropping, and it, it almost seems like this couldn't be possible, each one standing alone. And I don't say that to question the legitimacy. It's just so... Each it's one's a different so kind of horrifying. It's so brutal. And I think what really gets me is the ages of the so many of the kids involved. These are these are children who um, are living in conditions that are unsanitary. They're sleeping on the floor. Um, there was one story... Oh, gosh. I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to get through this without crying. There was one story about a two-year-old boy locked in a detention center. And it says he wants to be held all the time. Mm. He's separated from his mom. A few girls ages 10 to 15 say they've been doing their best to feed and soothe the clingy toddler who was handed to them by a guard days ago. Lawyers
employers warn the kids are taking care of other kids and there's inadequate food, water, and sanitation. This kid, the report was that he was covered in snot, that he didn't have a diaper and therefore had soiled himself. And the girls who are taking care of him have no idea how to take care of a toddler and they're just doing the best they can in the situation that they're in. That is one of the stories. Thank goodness for those other children's humanity to be a child who should be cared for in the same way that this poor little boy should be cared for. That none of them are in a good position, but these these other kids have more mm. humanity than those who are looking after them, and they stepped up to help a stranger who is younger and more in need. And it really is, in those situations, you so often are just in flight, fight or flight mode, and so to barely be surviving yourself, I'm sure just going through so much emotional trauma, and then also on top of that, have a toddler handed to you who you don't know, who's crying all the time. It's just... And sick. The most recent death at the border that was reported was a seven-year-old girl from India who happened to be crossing at the Mm. southern border in Arizona, very close to where Scott Warren, who we've discussed in the past, was providing food and water to migrants, and her body was found in the desert. I don't know a whole lot on why she was coming in, who she was with, anything else about her situation, but it just shows you, number one, the demographics of who's coming in, that a lot of them are children, and two, the dire circumstances that they're facing and and the toll that it's taking on human life. Um, This is life or death, and yeah. So the the story is it's a New Yorker story. Um, this is another one. This, this is a is new a different one. From one. The past week, a group of lawyers, a team of lawyers, went to the border patrol facilities in Texas. They interviewed more than fifty children. Uh, there was one story of a group of kids who got lice. Lice were, was spreading, and they were basically given two lice combs and shampoo and ba- to deal with it to take themselves. care of themselves. Great. And these are these are kids who were in elementary school age and the story that one of the lawyers shared was that they the kids lost one of the lice combs and as punishment guards took away their beds and their bedding and forced them to sleep on the floor it's just so this is sadistic this is the same facility i think where the attorneys that visited that facility said that they forced authorities after their visit to hospitalize four toddlers, all under the age of three, who were feverish, coughing, vomiting, and had diarrhea. Uh, One was completely unresponsive. And they have a picture here of a concrete room with a chain-link fence partitioning off this big lot that's essentially all bodies, you know, sleeping bodies of kids on the ground with those emergency foil blankets and ringing the whole sleeping lot is just this line of porta potties and there are bright fluorescent lights shining onto their pseudo beds that are just like blankets on the floor I'll just there was one more story <laughs> just I just oh, want to get two these. more because there's <laughs> another one after that <laughs> before we I just want to we're going to talk about this after I just want to I just want to tell these stories so people can get an idea of the situations we're talking about when we talk, the volume so, of the, I mean, just there are so many stories. Just this is one week. Some of the children are describing being given one blanket and having to decide whether to put it under them or over them because there's air conditioning in this facility, and they're having to make a choice about do I protect myself from the cement or do I try to keep myself warm. There are stories of children being taken to isolation rooms and quarantined where there's no one to, 
no one with them except other sick children. There are so many teen moms in these facilities well, who are... It makes sense that those would be the people who need to flee dangerous conditions, whether it be for abuse, for financial mm-hmm. reasons, for having no familial support. And my, what I was thinking about was, if, you know, if you have a newborn baby, you may have gotten pregnant on the way over. And what kind of situations oh God, are you under thing. when yeah. you get pregnant? Is it... Is it, consen- sexual is it consensual? Like, if you're on, if you're in a caravan with a bunch of strangers and you're a teen girl and you can't protect yourself, how many of these girls got? That's what and I, you know. That's you're the first fleeing thought. dangerous conditions. Like, you know that a lot of the conditions that these women are fleeing and fleeing through because mm-hmm. of the long journey are conditions where women are beaten and raped and mm-hmm. victimized. And you know, there's a lot of girls that are pregnant when they get to the f- facilities and they're not taken care of. And we, there was just a story about a woman who. Um, was given no prenatal care when she got into the facility and she had a stillborn and the officials said, well, we don't count that as a death (laughs) in the facility. And this actually dovetails nicely into the legal-related story. This Trump official, she's a a lawyer for the Department of Homeland Security, I'm going to assume, she argued before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals this last week, which is essentially the step below the Supreme Court of the United States for the region that includes Arizona, California, and I think Texas as well. So it's, it's mini Supreme Court for this border area. And there's an opinion from a couple decades ago that says that these border facilities have to be maintained in safe and sanitary conditions, which is, it's kind of anathema to think that that's even a standard when you Mm. hear stories like this, that this standard is theoretically governing these things already. There was a challenge to one facility, the attorneys for the children or, or for the migrants, whoever was occupying it, they were saying that not having soap, toothbrushes, or beds contravened the safe and sanitary standard, Mm -hmm. that you cannot have a safe and sanitary facility without giving kids toothbrushes, beds, and soap. Soap, yeah. And so the position of the Trump administration through this attorney was that that is not required for a safe and sanitary shelter. Yeah, and they argued (laughs) that in front of a judge who had been kept in a Japanese internment camp. Right, so probably was not going to fly with one of these judges, and really with any of the judges. He said that you absolutely do need blankets and soap and toothpaste to be considered safe and sanitary, but the fact I mean, that it's sanitary without soap and toothbrush, it, it, how do you even argue that? It's and yet- dehumanization. They genuinely think that they have no obligation to these people because they're coming in from um, out of the U.S. There is a sense that they just don't see them as people. I appreciated seeing the humanity on the side of the judges that was just expressed by like sheer confusion and lividity because so much you hear in those arguments some faceless person through an attorney against another faceless person or group of people yeah and parsing the semantics of like well what did somebody intend when they said safe and you know in context they are protected from the elements so they're safe to see the humanity from the judges of like no absolutely not where is your sense of decency this is not safe and sanitary. Next. Yeah. J- just not giving an inch. A- and that was refreshing. You got to count the small mercies in these stories. No, absolutely. <laughs> you have to look for you have to look for the people who care. And I think but just if I'm speaking to someone who is a border hawk who says, "Well, 
they sh- you know it's their choice to come here and they're not, not taking the quote unquote legal route, which a lot of them are pleading for asylum, so it is legal. But and the backlogs even of of non-asylum-based immigration mm. claims is so great, especially for a lot of these countries because of the caps that we have yeah. and the understaffed legal system that we have associated yeah. with, with IJs, with immigration judges. My plea would be to consider the children in your life, your nieces, your nephews, your own children, kids in you your life who are that age, yeah. and you imagine them alone and terrified and living in terrible conditions where there clearly is a lot of hostility from the border guard. Think about them in that situation and ask yourself what kind of person you want to be and what kind of life you want for your own children and just try to have a little empathy for the kids who are experiencing this. And again, as I've spoken about before, I understand that we need to vet people who are coming in and process them. But that's not the problem. This is not processing them. And also, it's worth noting in that conversation that there have been virtually no terrorists or Mm -hmm. or people who ended up being threats to domestic circumstances in recent memory who came in as either immigrants or asylum seekers. Mm -hmm. We, I think there are two in the past 20 years, since we've been talking about it, Mm -hmm. and and this goes into Obama's administration, of course, and and probably into the end of, of Bush's administration. There was one who was, who ended up becoming a citizen and there was one who did come through mm-hmm. a, a port of entry so not the border itself but if you compare that to the the threats that we get through any number of other avenues mm-hmm. whether it be citizens and honestly like very frequently white men mm-hmm. that like shooting violence is such a, a huge yeah. source of that now and also the majority of people who are undocumented in the united states did not come across the border they came legitimately and then Through overstayed their yeah. visas right. so this is not these aren't the enemies you're looking for these aren't the horrible people that you have that you've been taught to believe they are these are children and people who are in extremely vulnerable positions and we are a country that aspires if not you know, in, in effect and in, in practice, because we aspire to be a country that takes in the least of these and takes in people who are in ho- coming from horrible situations. And if that's the kind of country you want to be, we cannot treat people like this. And, and even if you don't want it to be that kind of country, because I, I think enough folks don't or have been taught to not mm-hmm. through this kind of rhetoric, whether you like it or not, it's a it's part of the fabric of our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Emma Lazarus poem on mm-hmm. the Statue of Liberty. Like, give me your tired, huddled masses. Mm-hmm. That's who we have been. That's who we want to be. And that is the country that allowed the ethnic and cultural groups that so many of us are descended from Mm -hmm. to succeed here i mean i'm irish italian to be fair that was a a, an easier thing to hide as time went on i certainly Mm -hmm. am obviously white and so it's easier to pass for a celebrated group Mm -hmm. even back then but if it wasn't hating one group it was hating another and Every one of us who's here, I guarantee, benefited from the openness. I mean, if your ancestors came through Ellis Island, they literally, their, the process was to stop and be inspected. And, yep. like, you usually had, like, your name changed and then you went on through. Yeah, we had our name changed. <laughs> I, there, I do love picturing, like, somebody at Ellis Island who's, like, you're like, my name is, I'm you know, confused, Joy. I'm confused, And they're it. like, nope, your name is Joy. <laughs> We're going to make it a fun and Christmas have word. fun. <laughs> Welcome to America. I can't spell your name. Here's your new one. But so anyway, so I just wanted to talk about a little bit about the what's going on at the border, and it's not something we can ignore. And I do think that when future generations look back on this time, they will 
ask why we did not do more to stop this because I think that we're going to look back on this the same way we do Japanese internment camps. And I hope so. Just putting a bookend on that. And um, we have some other stories to talk about here. More news happened this week. Yeah, so crazy. Much news. Crazy enough to migrate a mere matter of miles north of the border. I'm always depressed to see how frequently my home state crops up in... Yeah, what is... Like, Arizona is just, like, trying to beat out Florida. I know. <laughs> for and, the news. And, frankly, in practice, they might be, because we just don't have those sunshine laws that make everything exposed. That's true. Florida gets a bad rap because they I have know. actually good transparency, but which is funny. we almost went blue the last presidential election, so that is encouraging to me. It's Not all is lost, but this week it was. There was a story that was making the rounds on social media. The Phoenix Police story? Yeah. Okay. Well, the actual incident happened a while ago, but this family is suing. Oh, they're suing now for ten million dollars. Gotcha. Do you want to summarize the story? Sure. Um, so there was a family in Phoenix who was pulled over by the cops after their four-year-old apparently took a doll from the dollar store, and Which, the- I gotta say, full disclosure. I took a Beanie Baby from like a KB Toys in Phoenix because my mom wouldn't buy it for me. And I was probably older than four because I remember it. When I was so. five years old, I accidentally stole a spoon from a Goodwill and I cried in my car seat in the because I thought that I was going to go to prison. And my mom was just like, why are you upset about this? Oh, so spoon? Brooke is the moral one here. <laughs> I, I just like made myself look baby pregnant with a beanie baby. With a beanie baby? With That's like adorable. cat beanie baby. But yeah, honestly, everybody has this story. Like everyone has a story when they were little and like they wanted the gum that their parents yes. didn't buy them or literally were just playing with a toy and then walked out with it or they didn't understand that they couldn't have it. Like, this happens to almost every kid. But it's just Nothing like, would justify this. It does show the the racial profiling aspect and the socioeconomic aspect to say that as a, a little white girl, even if I had been caught, it probably would have would have been like a Oh, pat well, on the aren't head. you darling? Oh, little Mackenzie like solo yeah. baby. It wasn't even the store that reported it. Somebody saw the four year old take the doll and called the police. And I have said this so many times and I'll say it again. Stop calling the cops. Are you for kidding every me? little thing. The only reason I would ever call the police is if my life or someone else's life was in danger and I thought that that would be not an escalation but a solution or if I needed to report a crime I think I would to I, have it on paper. That's the two like if my house was being broken into I'd call the police. You could even justify like damage or theft of actual property by somebody with that intent. Like I could see if, if I saw you need somebody to report trying something. to steal a car and like hot wiring it that's very different. First of all why are you looking that closely? Just get a life. Go do your own thing. Don't be watching somebody else's four-year-old and, like, getting that alarmed over something that you interpret as stealing. Stop being this lady. Stop calling the police for every tiny thing. If you call the cops, there is a chance that it will escalate to people dying. Consider yeah, that when you this do, is when the you call import the of your actions. Anyway, again, like nothing, yeah, fine, nothing so justifies this behavior. But the fact that it was something so small that escalated this is infuriating. So the family did not realize that the daughter had taken the doll. They pull into a parking lot. The cops. So it wasn't even that the police pulled them over. They pulled into a parking lot. The cops got out, according to their lawsuit, immediately started screaming at them to get out of the car. And there um, are two videos from neighbors who were filming the whole incident. Yeah, so I would a decent say amount of this go is watch this because yeah. no matter what was going on, their behavior is unacceptable. Yeah, so we this, have two different vantage points on film. And we also know that the, the mother, she was pregnant at the time and she also was holding or at least at times holding another 
baby. They have a four-year-old, a one-year-old. She was holding so the, the one-year-old. One-year-old. The four-year-old was in the back seat. Four-year-old um, was the culprit of <laughs> this massive, like, grand larceny heist. Their, their names were uh, Dravon Ames and his fiance Aisha Harper. So they just were in the car. The cops are banging on the windows. They, again, have no idea why the police were called. The cops start yelling, I'm going to put a cap in your head. I think it was, I'm going to put a fucking cap in yeah. your head. So the, the father gets out of the car. He's handcuffed. There's a video of him where the cop is screaming at him, do what I tell you, do what I tell you. He had already spread his legs in anticipation of the cop's demands. And then the cop kicked his leg out from underneath him, calling him causing him to fall. This this cop was looking for a reason to escalate. This cop was looking for a reason to a violent person. impose his will on somebody else. This was about control. This was not about the law being broken. And if you watch this video, the, no, under no circumstances was this an acceptable way to interact with a father and a pregnant mother and their two young children. Who were being compliant. It's not like there was any threat posed by and these even, people. It is not be compliant or die. That is not That's a good thing our to standard. That should not be our standard. And I, I think of that with things like Eric Garner when people say, well, he was, you know, selling Quote, unquote, cigarettes. resisting arrest or whatever. Yeah, it, that's definitely a thing that we have to keep in mind in a lot of these cases, that we do not live in a system where without due process you face death or physical injury or even fear of it without good reason and without doing anything comparable that justifies it. But at the risk of, of drawing a line that maybe shouldn't, be focused mm. on too much. That wasn't even the case here. Mm. They did everything right. The police said that the mom wouldn't put the baby down, and one of the cops was afraid she, she was hiding a weapon under the baby, which is completely insane. It's so not a reasonable basis for thinking no. that and this somebody's is a, holding a weapon. This is an American citizen who has the right not to fear for their life because they won't put their because again, like if you have children and your first your first instinct is to protect your children, and a cop is screaming at you and pointing a gun at you, saying "put the baby down," you don't want to be separated your from down? your child. Yeah. Could you rationally think, "Oh, they're probably asking me this because they think I'm hiding a gun between my baby and my pregnant belly"? No, nobody would think that. It's yeah. not like you would even have that in your head. Again, Who would cops even think they were should not that? be so adversarial to the people that they're supposed to serve that. They put their own fear, their, their own fear for their own life above the lives of children and a pregnant mother. You have no reason to believe that she has a gun. I don't think this was fear, for what it's worth. I, this did not strike me as fear. It struck me, like you were saying, as, as anger and power and violence. A lust to control. But even if it were fear, if you honestly felt fear in this scenario where the pregnant mother of a four-year-old who maybe stole a doll holding a holding a baby and that that makes you scared then i honestly i don't think law enforcement is the right career for you the reason that they've earned this cachet is because the risk and the expertise and and the line that they put themselves in and the protective services that they they provide to a community but then earn that don't be exercising every little opportunity to be violent and exert power with the power that you have not to sound too spider-man about it or whatever but with the the power that you have when you're given a gun and told to protect people comes the responsibility to place others above yourself and that is like the cowardice that was shown here the absolute animosity toward these people that was shown 
is disgusting. And I like, you know, I think that the public opinion has been changing because we're, we're seeing so many more of these videos and these videos are getting more attention and fewer and fewer people are willing to defend this behavior on its face. I and I, so. I think that this, you know, that still exists that like the cops like should have the, the right to do whatever they want Ultimate still exists. But it's changing because it's harder. It's getting harder and harder to ignore the videos that are surfacing about police abuse. And yeah, because it's not reflecting what they need to do. We yeah. can't see that. Even for people who do not have the extra training and resources that they do, it doesn't seem reasonable to us. So what does that mm-hmm. say? I, I wanted to talk about the Phoenix mayor's response to this because uh, Kate Gallego, who's a relatively new mayor in Phoenix, and I actually worked for her. Back when I was in college and she was running for her first city council position, I was really impressed. I'm biased, but (laughs) I was I was glad that she took the opportunity to, without qualification, condemn Mm -hmm. the incident, didn't question the reality of the videos from two different people, two different vantage points, said that they'd be investigating it and also proposed a new solution that they'll be implementing body cams in the Phoenix police force within the next year. So it sounds like they'll actually do something that might help I think prevent that this. those actions are great the cop the cops in the video should not be on the police force anymore this is yeah. they have shown that they cannot take the responsibility they and that they the job. no they should have already been let go and right, it shouldn't take a lawsuit to do this the city you know quote unquote apologized and the family responded by saying you have not apologized to us you did not come to us personally and say, I'm sorry this happened. And we don't, ex- basically, we don't accept it because, yeah, because we're not seeing change. I don't there think wasn't- the police force apologized without the caveat that we're investigating. Yeah. I mean, Kate Gallego's apology seemed direct enough, but in terms of the actual entity that did it, mm-hmm. I don't I don't even know that anything has happened except that they're going to look He was put on it. desk duty, which again... So paid, still, still on the paid, force. Still paid, still on the force. There is no situation in which this man should have power over anyone else, especially power sanctioned by the state. He should be let go immediately. And we need to do better about vetting people who are applying for police positions and looking for people who have the proclivity to abuse their power that is given to them. Because I do think there are good police officers, absolutely. And I think that there are people who really do just love their community and that's why they serve. But we need more of those and fewer people who are just looking for a a way to have unlimited power over someone else. And those are people who should be and probably are scandalized by seeing members of their own community acting this way. Good cops are hurt when bad cops aren't punished. We've, We've digressed. Cycle. I mean, we're talking about a lot of very big issues. It's not a top, digression yeah. so much. It's just that each one of these things demands so much attention and time. But uh, the last thing that we think we'd be remiss to not mention this week is the story in New York Magazine. Um, e. Jean Carroll, who is a former advice columnist, is releasing a new book. And in an excerpt from the book, she talks about an encounter with Donald Trump in a Bergdorf Goodman's, Dressi- Goodman's yeah. dressing room in, I think it was 23 years ago? What, yep. what year was it exactly? I'm not sure what year that puts it at. Okay. Um, I can't do math that quickly because I'm a lady. You know, this is another rape allegation. Yeah, I said encounter. Against. She accused him of, of a oh, very right. a, a very traumatic rape. So the so. story that she told, which seems fitting with the 15 previous varying levels of sexual misconduct that the president has been accused of over the years and since his 
his election because I want to qualify that this has not all come to the forefront since he started running. This has been around for years. But she said that they ran into each other at Bergdorf Goodman's, which is like a high-end department store. He asked her for help shopping for his wife. I think he was married to Marla Maples at the time. And they... By somebody's direction, it doesn't say specifically, but I have my suspicions, they ended up in the lingerie section. He picked out, like, a lacy bodysuit and asked Miss Carol to uh, to try it on for him in the dressing room. And when she was in there, he forced his way in and uh, violated her with both his fingers and either part or all of his penis, which he forced inside her, and she said the encounter lasted about three minutes. She's very specific and very thorough yeah. with describing the anatomical piece of what happened. She's like, I would. It's very happened. explicit. I would encourage mm-hmm. people to just go read the account. The entire excerpt is just bone chilling. She talks about multiple assaults that have happened to her over the years, and I think one thing, one um, a friend of mine mentioned how shocking it was to her that she had experienced assault so many times, and I think that there, for this generation of women that Miss Carol is, I believe in her late 60s or early 60s 70s. 60s or 70s, yeah, that's what I was um, For this generation of women, I think that assault was so common, and she even says, she's part quote-unquote second generation, where you just shrugged it off and said, you know, like, well, that's basically a boys will be boys thing, because not only were boys taught that you could get away with doing whatever you want and it was the woman's fault but women were taught that too i think particularly if you were a woman as she seems to be who was in a position of power or trying to break into a position of power as a woman which was a lot less common then Mm. because one of the other people that she accuses is les moonves he was the head of cbs i believe who has also been accused... Shocking. Like, somewhere into the teens or even 20s over the last year or so of similar incidents. So we're talking about two people that were very prominent men Mm -hmm. at the time who were probably taught explicitly or implicitly that they could get away with this sort of thing. And there was also this kind of latent anger towards women who were encroaching. Yeah. And had the audacity to not just be sexual creatures. I think that we'd be remiss not to point out that Ivana Trump, who is... Trump's first wife. Yes, and the mother of Ivanka, Eric, and Donald. She said that he had assaulted her when they were married and had torn her clothes off. And that was spurred by um, she apparently recommended or she referred him to a hair plug surgeon Mm. and the hair plugs weren't good. That's apparently what instigated what, yeah. the rape that she also depicts, I think, in a book, right? Yeah, so this is not, it's not like John, Donald Trump started running for president and then everyone started coming forward with allegations. He's had allegations against him for a long time. For decades. Including his first wife. And, and it's, it's also thing. worth noting that there are no other presidents who have experienced accusations like this in this volume. And the ones that have faced accusations, like Bill Clinton, I think Trump is even more... His own statements tend to support what he's been accused That's of, too. That's the thing that surprises me, and people are very dismissive mm-hmm. of these accusations, is that he told us that he does this. He said... Without consent, yeah. Women will let you do it, and you can assault a you woman. You just grab them and by their genitals. what yeah. she describes with... Because she he assaulted her with his fingers as well, that was the first thing he did, is exactly what he said that he did in that Access Hollywood because tape. Because you are powerful, they let you do it, and... <laughs> So it, how many times are we going to have to hear these stories before we just believe what Trump has already told us, and which is that he, is a, he assaults people? For the doubters, what would it take then? Because if we have accusations that are contemporaneous with the occurrences through the last 
you know, 20 plus years. Yeah. We have accusations that are very specific and that's often a thing that people tend to criticize. Well, Mm -hmm. why don't you know what and when and how, which there's no merit in actually evaluating accusations based on that. But at least enough of the 16 who have now accused him have most of the elements that people tend to demand. So what what would you believe against Donald Trump or is he just uh, unimpeachable? I think it's that lowercase (laughs) I. (laughs) Literally unimpeachable. Um, I think that it's really important to note that a lot of his supporters won't believe it. If they do believe it, they won't care. And it's... But then say that. Yeah. You know, like, let's call it what it is. I don't care if he raped women. Yeah. When I read this story, the first thing I thought was, I can't believe that the man who is being accused of this is president. And the second thought I had was, I can't believe that no one's... This is mostly going to stay on Twitter and people aren't going to talk about it. Right. The majority of people are not going to sit at their table saying the president has been accused of rape because we just aren't going to talk about it. And we knew that. Frankly, we knew that before the election and it wasn't enough to prevent him from winning. And I don't know how much, quote unquote, credit I want to give him and his administration for doing this. But whether it's intentional or it's just the effect of the news cycle and all the gaffes and inexperience and and crazy policymaking, the effect of all this craziness is that it acts like a sleight of hand Mm -hmm. for this kind of story. Because you can't cover Iran, which is an actual and it's potentially existential yeah. threat to yeah. a lot of people in the country, you have to prioritize something. And especially that this now is a story that we all know in one form or another about Donald Trump, and it wasn't enough for mm-hmm. listeners and viewers to not elect him en masse. I mean, the fact so, that we're even still talking about it, it the, it's left the news cycle. No one no one else is talking about it. it. The, the way this always goes is it's he didn't do it. And then if you say, but he said that he does stuff like this, they'll say, yeah, but that was locker room talk. He didn't mean that. Yeah. He yeah. just, you know, it was locker room talk. Okay, But it's not talk because a lot of women said that he did it. Yeah, but they don't have proof. So it's like this, it's this, the bar lowers and lowers and, it, and lowers and lowers and until it, it's again, non-existent. It begs the question of, okay, yeah. what would you, what would you believe? Whatever. Let's, let's end on what is not a light note, but again, we found this vein of unifying hatreds at in the end. The new cycle. Just F- we to name it. Like, let's take suggestions. <laughs> we'll be brainstorming, and if anybody has a great idea, please. What to- should we call the end of the show when we talk about something that everyone hates? Yeah, like a unifying <laughs> hatred that we can all together fume over. Be mad about. Um, uh, so yeah, do you want to give the rundown on this one? Sure. So Alex Jones, who used to be a more partisan figure, but I think we now are united. Just like Bill de Blasio being a Democrat doesn't prevent me from hating him. Mm. If he ever had it, he certainly lost it. So... I don't think he ever had it. I used to watch clips from his show purely because I thought that he was hilarious that because count. it was so. <laughs> or like, have you seen the Bonnie Vare? Le- no. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna put. So first of all, I'm pro- we're probably gonna create like an Instagram or something. I will post the video on either the Instagram or the Twitter. They did a edit that made a bunch of Alex Jones rants sound like Bonnie Vare lyrics, and like falsetto, and that oh, could actually hilarious. work really well because Justin Vernon's lyrics in general very yeah. cryptic. Yeah, and kind of so, hard to decipher. Alex Jones really lends himself it's to that. It's one of the funniest things I've ever that seen. That could be a secondary so, yeah, career that's, for him. That's my confession is that I, I love to hate Alex Jones. I, I do think that the fluoride in the water is turning frogs gay, but I have that opinion I just before want, Alex Jones. Right, and I want gay frogs. <laughs> I happen to be okay with it because I want really healthy-toothed gay frogs. That's my America. But this is the future liberals want, Yeah, gay frogs. Straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> okay, so sorry. Tell us about what Alex so Jones Alex did this week. So Alex Jones is in the middle of, if it's not class action, 
and it's a very large scale defamation suit from parents of children who were shot at Sandy Hook Elementary for repeatedly saying that it was uh, fake and that it was staged and that all of these parents and family members and outraged people who are now turning towards government advocacy inconveniently for Alex Jones were actors and were paid and this didn't happen. And just so everyone understands the consequences of that, they have gotten death threats. Several of the families have had to move, I believe. Repeated death threats. From Alex Jones's listeners. And these are people who are trying to deal with the fact that their kids were murdered in school. And then on top of that, some basement-dwelling, sticky-fingered asshole is emailing you because Alex Jones just bellowed about you in between frog rants. In between wearing a literal tinfoil hat on his head. Honestly, the mental strength of those parents is unfathomable because I don't know if I could survive losing a child and then on top of that dealing with something that is so disheartening even on like a conceptual scale of this theory thriving but the good news kind of again relative good news is that he's being sued for defamation because obviously there's plenty of proof that this actually did happen including one of the fathers has told the story of having to go to the ME's office and identify his shot in the head (sighs) son's body like a five or six year old Um, So it's not a question that this is a false narrative that Alex Jones has been peddling. And that's the difficult thing in defamation cases is Mm. proving that what they're saying is false. And with these death threats, there's no short... What word am I thinking of? Shortage of proof that it actually has damaged the families. Mm. So I guess within the last week or so, one of the document dumps that Alex Jones had to turn over to the plaintiff's attorneys included in it child pornography broadcast some mediating evidence. I was eager to assume that Alex Jones had child porn. I was just going to ride that all the way to the Yeah, it seems like the FBI believes that it was planted. Yeah, fine. I guess Alex Jones can be everything but a child pornographer, maybe. (laughs) What I find hilarious about this is that his lawyers, who, can you imagine volunteering? They had the choice to take this job, and they took it. It's the ultimate sheepdog position. (laughs) They're trying to corral this psycho mind and mouth. I mean, I think they're kind of on the same page, though. It sounds like they're terrible lawyers, they didn't even review the documents before they turned them over, which is why there was child porn. If you review them before you turn them over, you're going to catch that. And Uh. (laughs) instead, it got made it all the way to the plaintiff's lawyers. You can hope that would stand out if you're reviewing your submission. Yeah, you're like, Like, oh, not another one. (laughs) Oh, my God. So do you want to talk a little bit about Alex Jones' response to this? In character, he was very rational and measured in his response to not even like the plaintiffs themselves, but to the attorneys, which I also just want to say as an attorney, you are not supposed to allow your client to talk directly to the other side's lawyers. That's like a big no Especially if your client is Alex Jones. Um, but I'm trying to find the quote itself. Oh, okay. All right. Alex Jones unveils strategy of calling plaintiff's counsel, quote, a little white Jew boy jerk off son of a bitch. <laughs> Both substantive and cutting. I think he made a great point. Oh, wow. Like, why is he? Well, I don't get the phrase. I don't even feel like saying it. It's I know. Like, I, I wanted to stress the quotes there. Quote. I, 
we do Please not don't isolate it but saying any but um it's very <laughs> alex jonesian of him yeah Damn. so that was his legal strategy that he volunteered to insert into the proceedings and i think it sounds really effective if i were Would you know you... either the judge or the opposing attorney or honestly his own attorney i'd be like let, let me sit down because you're doing a great job all by yourself you don't even need me Represent he even you're killing it. He should Ted Bundy it and represent himself. That's what represent I say. Represent yourself. He's obviously so good at it. You are nailing it. You are, and he's always been smarter than all of us. It's that weird male supplement that he peddles. So he, can we take that or no? It'll we, make us really good dads, I think. Obviously, he's an awesome dad. He's an awesome dad whose tell. children will definitely speak to him when they're over 18. But with that, we will wrap it up. And we really appreciate you sticking around with us. We also want to give shout outs to everybody who's helped us get this we far. We have had a lot of help and a lot of great people. Carolina Hidalgo, who has a soul of a saint and has like volunteered so she, much time for no reward. Teaching us how to record and then helping us edit. Most recently, responding to our text from Australia, even though it's very it's early, early there. In the morning there. So um, thank you, Carolina. She, Carolina, you are an amazing person we're so grateful tutor and we also want to thank uh, my mom says i curse too much on this but we're gonna try to curse less except for right now when we gotta thank shitheads rainbow for our theme song (laughs) which is awesome and go follow them on social media they sometimes go by shrb but i opted to go all in full in and thank you also to lauren wisniewski who did our cover photo and did an amazing job a lot of other photos that we're gonna be losing out onto our feed as yeah. time goes on. Um, I actually had a couple people DM me about the theme. So yeah, check out Shitheads Rainbow. They yeah, are awesome. And they wrote and recorded this especially for on us. Really and I short love timeline. it. So we're very thankful for them. Okay, guys. And, uh, we're on SoundCloud and Spotify so far. We'll be on iTunes. And if you like us, please, please rate and review please. so we can like get a few more ears. Yeah, to and us. we'll be friends with you. We will talk be to us. We'll talk back at you. We can DM do us. that. We want it to be a community. We want feedback. We want to kiss you on the mouth. We want to kiss you directly. We want to kiss mouth. each mouth. Every mouth. We're going to get mono. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>